The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you on Monday. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. We are loaded up 20 minutes away from former Nebraska assistant coach, now director of player development, Ron Brown, going to sit down with us, talk to him about his uh, speech this weekend, and uh, also some uh, some football-related things. So Ron Brown coming up here in about 20 minutes on Hale Varsity in Hour 2. It's a Monday with Charlie, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride will join us. And uh, then uh, our dear friend Mike Riley, uh, part of the Chicago sports scene with the Chicago Tribune. We kind of had him on to talk about the last dance with the Bulls. Well, Riles was covering the Cubs and uh, had a uh, well a first-hand view of the home run chase of 1998. Sosa, McGuire, McGuire, Sosa. Loved watching that last night. Made me miss baseball. And then I got to Monday and get to hear Commissioner Rob Manfred tell uh, ESPN's Mike Greenberg, yeah, we're, we're probably not going to have a season. That just oh. out on Twitter with social media but i do get the lincoln a's on thursday i get juniors youth baseball doubleheader thursday tournament in omaha saturday so i'll get baseball i just won't get to overpay for beer and hot dogs at a major league park and take him maybe this season as we speak right now rob manfred telling greeny it's just a disaster for our game. Absolutely no question about it. It shouldn't be happening, and it's important that we find a way to get past it and get back to the game and benefit our fans. That part two of his first response, because uh, you have an upcoming telecast tonight with uh, ESPN, and they're, they're going through... Um, Uh, A bunch of different... uh, Return to Sports is the name of the show tonight. It's kind of their special feature. And there's a conversation with Greeny on the Return to Sports. And the word in quotes today for 2020 Major League Baseball, not confident. Not confident. Uh, During the Major League Baseball draft, you had Carl Ravitch ask Commissioner... Manfred, hey, are we going to play ball this year? Yeah, 100%. We'll play ball this year. Basically, the owners and the players still hate each other. Here's Jeff Passan a little bit earlier today, and it stems from a brutal working relationship. You've worked at places where 
either the money was great or maybe the money sucked, but you like who you worked with, right? What what got you through or what drove you away was the working relationship. That's a big part of it. Why do you do what you do? A, you're probably really good at it, but B, it's either money and hopefully the people you work with. I hope it's all three. I hope you're great at something. I hope you work well with others and you love being around people and I hope the money's good for you. Okay? I mean those those are your kind of that's your triangle. But here's Jeff Passon uh on just the the issue at hand. The part that really stood out to me the most in that video with Andrew McCutcheon wasn't the metaphor so much as it was the moment where he said, I'm your dad and I'm gonna tell you what to do. That is what it feels like sometimes with owners and players, the relationship is like. Like there's this paternal element and we're gonna tell you exactly what to do. That's not the way a good working relationship works. And I think the players right now, their anger, they are fed up right now because they feel like they've been mistreated any number of ways, whether it's service time manipulation, whether it's in free agency, all these little things that have been burbling to the surface the last couple of years, they're coming out right now. Listen, there is uh, an exorbitant amount of money on the table to play a sport. You work hard to get into that position and be a professional player. Don't kid yourself. It is extremely hard work, and it's not the same ever once you get to a certain level. It is a job. It is stressful. uh, It is high profile, which is good and bad. It's not easy. And I, I understand the players' gripes and grunts about ownership because it, it's, it's just very adversarial. And they don't like who they work for in a lot of instances, in a lot of cases. And it's worse in baseball, it feels like, and it looks like, than a lot of other sports, honestly. I think of the NFL, I think of Jerry Jones, I think of the the uh, Mara family. I think of Al Davis, and I know Al was kind of a whack job, but Al cared about a lot of his players, right? I think of George Hollis for Chicago, specifically with uh, Brian Piccolo taking care of his kids after his father passed away. This goes back decades, but my point is, is I don't know that there's a and there are stories of ownership in baseball, okay, where the owners have probably been pretty good. But for the most part, man, they want to hammer the players and the players want to drive up salaries. And you just got done watching owners letting things like performance enhancement and HGH and drugs with a blind eye happen. Because it's fill-ins putting butts in seats. There wasn't an empty seat in Bush Stadium or Wrigley Field. It felt like, based on the footage in 1998, that was a party. That was great. It was a con job, but it was cool at the time. And now you have owners and players both just refusing to budge. Players aren't going to budge. And and Manfred knows if he institutes this 50-game schedule, the players will tell him to go screw himself. They're not going to do it for 50 games because it's siding with the ownership. The ownership will lose less money with a 50-game schedule, and the players aren't going to do it. The players are the ones who want to play as many games as possible, yes, out of money, 
but also, listen, they they are pretty adamant about the, the health risk, too. There is part of that, but they're both crying. And I guess the, the tears, I believe, more the players. Yeah, it's the the owners and Manfred seem to be, it's it's about the perception, it's PR. Is, is they coming in and saying Manfred sided with the owners in the statement today, pretty much, saying we're disheartened that the MLBPA would walk away from the negotiating table. He's siding with the owners. It's a, it's a perception thing. He wants the, the perception to be on to the players, well, at least in my view. Well, he it, wants it to be on the players, saying the players don't well, want to think play about season. all the leaks that have happened the last month mm-hmm. with this. I mean, the, 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 <laughs> the agreement, the proposals have been leaked to the media before the players have even seen them. And that's all to try and cast players in a bad light. Let's get into that public perception here. More from Jeff Passan. I think that public perception does matter. We're in the middle of a pandemic right now. We're in the middle of hopefully a historic time of of societal uprising to try and make things right. We are in a place where tens of millions of people are unemployed. If the context greenie is ever going to matter, it's got to matter now. People are out of a job, 40 some million. It sucks. And folks are trying to find work or get back to a, a, a pay grade that they're comfortable with or used to. And you got both of these sides being a-holes about money. Let the players go play as many games as they want. Players understand that you're going to have to take a and, – and, and the players did agree to a pay cut. I mean, it was pretty drastic pay cut. And, and now it's, it's still not good enough. Last thought here on Tim Kirchin, and this is what I – this is very real. You can side with the owners. You can side with players. It's, it's fine. But in the end, it, it will drive you from baseball. I have no doubt. And, I mean, you tell me, 466 3776 if these guys don't play this season, are you gonna? Will it damage your relationship with baseball worse than back in '94? Will it damage your relationship with baseball post steroid era? I mean, think of McGuire, Sosa, Bonds, and then all of the uh, Balco stuff hit. And maybe you've not come back. I mean, baseball's fan base has been aging. That's okay. I'm not saying if you love baseball, you're old. And if you are, good for you. But as far as what you're going to invest your time with, we, 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 want, we want live sports. Yes, is the answer right now. But it, it, baseball's drifted from number one to probably four or below. You're 21 years old. When, do you watch baseball? Uh, professional baseball? Yeah. Sometimes, usually no. It's just... It, you watch the highlights on your phone. Yeah. It's all, it's all you really need. Because when you're playing 182 games in a season, why do I need to go devote three hours of my day to go watch this? You'll, whatever? you'll, you'll physically go in person because oh, yeah. that's a party. Yeah. But... I don't need to sit at home and watch on TV. Right. And I love it on radio. I've always loved it on radio. The storytelling. Yeah, as do I. Okay. Uh, here's Tim Kirchin here on... on just the remnants of, of work stoppages in the past. I covered the 81 strike. That was so vicious. I covered the 94, 95 strike, and that wasn't much better. But this one, 
differentiates even from those two, given what's going on in the country right now. And to have this bickering over money is a really, really bad look for baseball, certainly at this time. Okay, we will move off of Major League Baseball. We'll see if Rob Manfred's doom and gloom is accurate or if it's positioning to put both sides on notice to get something done. Mike Gundy, his mullet and now his T-shirt are under question. And maybe you've seen this on social media, but you had uh, Coach Gundy. He went fishing in Lake Texoma. That must be on the border of Texas and Oklahoma. And and Gundy was wearing an OAN T-shirt. That's uh, One America News. It's a far-right news network often cited by the president. Well, Chubba Hubbard saw this. He's the nation's leading rusher. Ran for two bills last year. Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. Great ball player. I believe he finished top 10 Heisman voting last year. Should have. Mostly, most time you're, you're, you run for 2K, you're going to win a Heisman. And, he's, and he came back. All right? So Chubba Hubbard uh, is outraged. And he tweeted this Monday after seeing Kyle Boone's quote tweet. And Boone works for CBS Sports. Chubba said, I will not be doing anything with Oklahoma State until things change. That was in response to the photo of his head coach wearing an OAN t-shirt. And uh, the full statement, I will not stand for this. This is completely insensitive to everything going on in society. And it is unacceptable. So the photo of Gundy posted on Facebook and then tweeted by Kyle Boone. Hubbard's from Alberta, Canada. And a phenomenal player, uh, Eamon Ogbong Bigama. I horribly butchered that, Eamon. Forgive me. But uh, top senior linebacker for Oklahoma State. Also voiced support for Hubbard. I stand with him. Oklahoma State, a spokesperson today, had no comment. So in April, in a news conference, Gundy expressed displeasure with the mainstream media saying that he watches the uh, uh, the network news the ONE uh, network news because they just report without commentary Gundy also went on to say before he had to backtrack that he wanted guys back May 1st you remember that uh, Gundy had to issue an, a, a statement regarding COVID I've been made aware that my comments at my press conference have offended some it was not my intention to offend anyone, and I apologize. My first priority is and will be the student-athletes and doing what's best for the program and university. So, Gundy's a conservative Republican and a Trump guy. That's completely his right. Some of you agree with his politics, and that's all good for you to believe and agree with. One American News is bashed by some, supported by others. And Mike Gundy, you know, three days after his stud back records a video montage with other premier athletes talking about peace and love and understanding and diversity, Gundy's rocking this shirt. Gundy probably didn't think twice about it. And the other question I have, 
with with Hubbard is do you not know by now where your coach's political leanings are? It's okay for Hubbard to speak up, and maybe he'll get changed. Maybe he'll get that T-shirt thrown out and not worn again. And he's not wrong to question his coach for wearing this. But Gundy's still the decision maker. What happens? Does he come to Hubbard and say, look, man, sorry I offended you. Let's talk about this. We need you to carry the football, but above all, I need to know you're good. Can they mend that fence? And you have athletes that have a louder voice than ever now. And they're using it, and they're using it to create change. You just saw it at Iowa City with a settlement today with Coach Doyle. Now you have Gundy being called on the carpet. Uh, Can things get made up, or does it get a little rough down in Stillwater? Ron Brown had a message of peace and love on Saturday. We'll check in with the coach next on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back to it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And uh, let's welcome in a longtime coach in Nebraska and director of player development at Nebraska, Ron Brown, back with us. Coach, how you doing? Good, Smitty. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Thanks for a few minutes. I wanted to run you down today and just chat about a few things and kind of take me through uh, this weekend for you. And and before we we talk Saturday's sermon at the Capitol, how have you been processing, dealing, and 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 kind of coping with the last three weeks in this country? Well, uh, of course, there's a lot of sadness and there's grief, and but uh, also, Schmitty, there's, um, you know, I have a, a profound faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, I've experienced uh, a number of things all the way back when I was growing up in the 60s. Uh, there's a lot of things that are similar. I don't think life is a mountaintop where we've kind of made it to the top and now we're going to uh, be all excited about it. I think we're we're in a merry-go-round, and it's a merry-go-round of sin, and it it passes from one phase to the next. You think you've arrived, but you haven't arrived. It's it's sin just being spilled out across uh, planet Earth, and so I just feel like here in America we've, um, you know, we've overall we've uh, decided that we want less of the Lord and more of ourselves, and we're seeing the uh, the results of that. Ron Brown is with us, Coach. Ed, if if you can, can you share what your message was Saturday? It was the gospel message of Jesus Christ that um, you know God uh, created the heavens and the earth. Uh, he created man. Uh, man sinned. Uh, God uh, had a plan for that man, uh, all mankind, and that was uh, to send his only son, Jesus Christ, God the Son, who would die on a cross uh, to pay the penalty of sin and then rise from the dead to proving that he was God in, in, in an amazing resurrection. And then he offers um, the new life of Christ right back to every man. So the question is, what is our response? Do we trust Jesus Christ for eternal life as our Savior? 
and walk away from the sin which so easily besets us, or do we reject it? And each man gets a chance to make that decision. So the reason why, Schmitty, I spoke at the Capitol, Kyron Williams, former player uh, for me, had asked me to uh, speak, and I told him I think the most compassionate thing that I could possibly do to everyone who comes is to um, remind them of this incredible gift of uh, of new life that Christ offers. And I didn't I didn't come to align with any group. Uh, I came to just represent the Lord Jesus Christ as a citizen of heaven, and uh, uh, and as a citizen of America. Ron Brown is with us on Hale Varsity. Coach, uh, you have unique challenges every day with your role as director of Nebraska player development. That's kids getting to campus for the first time. That's kids that have been in it as a student athlete for a number of years. And you've served uh, a number of years at Nebraska as a coach and now as a player development uh, in charge of that. How do you approach the, the the world today with the the racism that exists? How do you approach the world today with COVID nineteen? Those are just two things that are are pretty pretty recent and prevalent right now. But just your, how do you go about your job daily with kids that uh, when everyone's back, obviously you're you're there for them. Yeah. Great question, Schmitty. You know, I've, I've been actually been a part of Nebraska football for five decades now as we start 2020 here. So I've, I've, I've kind of seen a, a variety of things. Um, and not to say that I'm an expert on everything, mm-hmm. but I know where to turn. And uh, I have turned to the Bible in my own life because it is the Word of God, and it, it, it addresses every problem. You've mentioned uh, um, racism. Uh, you've mentioned COVID. It addresses the issue of sin. And the Bible also addresses pestilence and all kinds of different things that take place on this planet. Um, I, I don't force the Bible on our players. But I allow the Word of God to shape me so that I can pour out the very love of Christ that's in me back to them, hopefully in a way that they can accept it and understand at least my love, and hopefully that will lead them to the love of Jesus Christ. So, for example, Schmitty, um, uh, Colossians 1, uh, verse 13, says that I've been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light. Man, that jacked me. Well, I've been on a rescue mission. Jesus Christ went on a rescue mission for me and every every person on the planet. I trusted Christ as saving Lord, and now I trust His Word. The royal law that we sometimes know as um, the royal law in the Bible says to love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And he says the second portion of the command is to love your neighbor as yourself. So, Shemitty, basically the rule is this. If you understand who God is in Christ, now you have a chance to really love your neighbor as yourself. That means your neighbor might not be just the guy who lives next door. It might be someone of a different race, someone of a different socioeconomic background or geograph- geographical location or what have you. So that's really the message. The, the football team here is a laboratory of love where we get to we coaches get to pour out our love for these players that we've recruited and asked to come here to mesh as a team. 
you mentioned love and and that's a word that's not no one's fearful to 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 use and and follow through on uh, with Nebraska, uh, talking with former players as often I, as I do, or coaches, or former coaches. I mean, that's kind of that, that's the foundation of the program. It sounds like it always has been here. You know, when I, when I first came here in 1987, I really appreciated uh, Coach Osborne, and I and I love Nebraska. I love the fact that you know back in the 60s, Schmitty, when I was a, a, a little boy watching college football, they were. There were schools that I, were, that I was watching. Like I remember watching the national championship game in 1969, Texas versus Arkansas, and clearly there were two, there were two schools that had said we want segregation here, and so no African American players were allowed on the field. So I remember talking to my dad about Jim Crow and and that whole issue. Uh, but you know, during the 60s, if you really look back at Nebraska, I'm not saying that we were perfect, but you know, uh, Nebraska recruited in the late 60s uh, two prominent black athletes, a Heisman Trophy winner and an Outland Trophy winner. So you had uh, Johnny Rogers from Omaha and you had Richard Glover from New Jersey that came to America at a time when this nation was suffering through a number of issues of racist segregation and many of the schools and college football was affected by it. But you had these two guys that were here at Nebraska who were... um, being being loved and being teammates uh, and also excelling on the football field. A few more minutes. Ron Brown's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Director of Player Development at Nebraska. We're talking life and racism and, and of course, uh, COVID-19. And, Coach, with um, – with uh, the pandemic that exists, I mean, how have you been able to, to deal with that aspect of things? Uh, I know there are parameters being followed all, followed all across the, the city of Lincoln, but uh, just in general, has it been a lot of distance work for you? Yeah, you know, I was like probably many people, we were on Zoom calls. And I was relating to players in a variety of different ways, Zoom calls, FaceTime. Um, on the phone, and of course, uh, fellow coaches and uh, and uh, other groups, uh, uh, you know, Bible studies, uh, you know, just friendships, a variety of things. Yeah, we, we were all trying to uh, adhere to the uh, to the standards of the land, which was mm-hmm. to keep at social distance and wearing masks and uh, not opening up the country yet. But now that we've opened up the country a little bit, we've gotten out a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, you know, right again, the Bible says this, count it all joy when you go through various trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works endurance, but let endurance have its complete work that you may be complete and entire, lacking in nothing. So Schmitty, really, uh, the trial of pestilence or COVID or the trial of human relationships, the, the, the lack of human relationships that we see in the sin patterns that are taking place, whether it's the brutality of police or racism or, or stealing or just a variety of things, all of the above, everything, through the midst of the trials, the believer in Christ gets to use those trials as an opportunity to grow in his maturity in his walk with the Lord and become more Christ-like. And I believe that's really what the world needs. It, it, it needs people who will, who will allow Christ to make them more Christ-like, to reach out, grieve with people, put their arms around people, love people, 
uh, firmly follow the truth, um, forgive folks just the way I've been forgiven by Christ. Uh, as a as a football team, we get a great opportunity to be around guys from a variety of different backgrounds and to pour out our love to them. That's what I love about coaching, man. I always have. And I've always loved uh, being here in Nebraska. Again, there's no place that's been perfect. Mm -hmm. We've all had our issues. And I'd have to raise my hand to say that I've had my issues as well, that uh, I haven't done everything the Lord has wanted me to do over the years. But I'm thankful for his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy. And I'm, I'm privileged to be able to offer that and pour that out to our players. More with uh, Ron Brown uh, coming up here. Hale Varsity Radio, uh, Director of Player Development for Nebraska, longtime assistant coach, and asked Coach to come on today to tell us about his uh, his sermon, his uh, his addressing of the uh, crowd at the Capitol on Saturday. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, player development in uh, the next segment. Uh, didn't want to cut Coach off. Real quick, uh, a reminder here with Nebraska sports, and this is from the governor. Uh, good news uh, for Nebraska sports in Nebraska. Things are a full go, which is nice. Of course, June 18th, baseball and flag football and softball and volleyball and track and bowling and rodeo and swimming, dance, golf, crew, tennis, all that can happen with youth and adults uh, practicing also in games. And July 1st, basketball and hockey and football and lacrosse and wrestling can get going. Martial arts and soccer, boxing, rugby, cheer and gymnastics. I would bet money that Elijah Herbal would be a good rugby player. I'd like to think so. You think so? More with Ron Brown coming up. And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio. Ron Brown with us, Director of Nebraska Player Development. Coach, uh, quick thought on on development, and this is more the, the football side. When it comes to, to guys getting ready and, and ramped up, I know there's training sessions going on, and then once uh, once things get passed, you can move to, to more hands-on uh, work with players that the staff can. You had a knack of really producing high-level guys. You guys did a phenomenal job recruiting during your time at Nebraska, Coach Brown. And you specifically, when I look at your position groups, I look at the wide receivers you coached for a number of years, the tight ends you coached for a number of years, and even the, the running backs you coached. And, man, guys, young guys seemed ready to go with a, with a role that they had earned. And I'm just kind of wanting a comment from you, if I could, just from the development side about Nebraska football, just how, how it was so well done from a development size to – to find kids, first of all, but second of all, get them ready through repetition. Well, believe me, I I think Coach Osborne had a whole lot to do with it as well because Coach um, understood the principle that Vince Lombardi had always understood, and that is you don't always get the best person, you get the right person. And when you get the right guy in the program, he, he may not always be the most talented, 
but he's going to develop and maximize his ability. So maximization of your ability versus how you compare to somebody else was the mantra here at Nebraska. And I learned that very early here. And I think it's a great principle. I think that's a biblical principle as well. Uh, the other thing, Schmitty, is that we did a lot with getting repetitions to our players, all of our players. So if, you, if you're uh, number one, number two, number three player, uh, getting over 100 reps per day in a practice, I'll tell you what, they're getting ready. In 1994, we won the national championship. I mean, you look at that quarterback spot, you know, we were down to our fourth and fifth string quarterback. There's no way we should on paper have won a national championship that year. But we did because our, our QBs were ready to go. And that's true of a lot of positions. It's been true of my positions as well. The other thing, Trinity, that I would say is that you've got to devise as a coach opportunities for players to learn the system so well that they can actually go out in the off season when you're not allowed to coach them and, and actually go through the repetitions uh, and the drills and so forth and then be able to teach that to other younger players. So, for example, I would take my wide receivers and I would show them during the season when I could work with them what it meant to catch 300 balls a day on your own. That's five days a week uh, that they would do that on their own in the off season. Fifteen hundred catches a week, and if you had two ten week periods of that, that amounts to thirty thousand balls per year that you would catch. And if you go through five years, Schmitty, of catching uh, balls on your own, that's a hundred and fifty thousand passes that you've caught outside of Nebraska practice. And think about what a player will do in, in that five years. I mean, if you're 150,000 catches later, you're going to make a lot of improvement. So we had to get our players to buy into that. And I worked very, very hard at every position. That's just one example with, with receivers. But the, the running backs, I always felt like, you know, two is a party. You can start a party with two. <laughs> and I remember, uh, for example, uh, when Rex Burkhead had in a very infectious um, polarization for Amir Abdullah. Man, Amir Abdullah, th- these two guys came from different areas of the country. They, they came from uh, different backgrounds, but they just gravitated to one another. They loved each other, and that fed into each other, and the rest of the running backs took notes on that one, and they just followed. We had a great group of guys. We had some extremely high-working guys, high-work ethic guys. Andy Janovich was part of that group. Amani Cross was, that, was part of that group. King Frazier was part of that group. You know, there were, there were guys that, that um, uh, were, were totally bought in on Saturdays, in the off season, when there's no football, they didn't have to be here at the stadium. You can bet Burkhead and Abdullah was getting that that group of running backs over to the complex, and they were just working out on their own, going through things, going through plays. So all of that, you know, greatness is made in empty stadiums. It's only revealed in a full stadium. And so if you can get your guys, and with the help of the Lord, you can get your guys to buy into that you're going to see a lot of maximum development and guys will be able to hit the field earlier than normal. How many of those uh, several thousand passes were off your left arm, man? I remember watching warm-ups <laughs> where, you're, where, you're, where you're, I mean, you're just going wherever you want with the football and the guys, it's their job to catch it. <laughs> 
too many in that wide cockeyed uh, sidearm motion that I had. Uh, I mean, you I wind up like, out of joint many times. Y- huh? y- you said you wind up, man. I mean, you. It's oh, yeah. like you're on the mound. <laughs> hey, if they can catch my balls, they can catch anybody's balls because those balls are coming wobbly and hard. <laughs> That's pretty good. Ron Brown with us, director of player development. Coach, thanks for sharing your thoughts today. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Smitty. Thanks for having me, buddy. Good to hear from Coach Ron Brown. Uh, his time Saturday in front of the Capitol, uh, what he's doing as uh, Director of Player Development, and pretty good info there on <laughs> the depth of development. I mean, think about that uh, wide receivers since uh, 87 through 02 with him, where they're catching uh, thousands of passes outside of practice. I mean, I love to that. To get ready for the for the game. I love that quote. Greatness is made in an empty stadium, but it's revealed in a full stadium. Mm-hmm. That's a he's great right. quote. He's, he's right. Yeah. It, it's it's one of those things that he put it, that's just so eloquently put. It's perfect. It's perfect. It is. Well, and I mean, let's think about this, this development, because right now, coaches can't do anything. We're all jonesing for football. And what, what? type of level will Nebraska start out 2020 on? Where are they going to be? Where are they going to be in comparison to Wisconsin? Where are they going to be in comparison to Iowa, Minnesota? Let's just talk West. And what Ron said in that last segment as well, he also touched on sometimes you don't get the best, but you get the right guy. Right when it comes to development, guys that'll work that that have talent, yeah, yeah. but they're going to work harder to make that talent more consistent. That's what I think when I think of Joe Burrow going to LSU last year. Right, wasn't the best guy. I mean, there's a reason he he left he end, o- he, Ohio State. He ended up being the best. He ended up being the best because he was the right guy in the right system, mm-hmm. and, well, and it worked. He had, he had motivation completely. And do you have internal motivation? Is it intrinsic? Or do you have to be kind of pulled along by your ear, but you'll you'll fall in line. That gets back to culture, right? So pretty good stuff from Coach Brown there. That full interview going to be uh, posted ESPNLincoln.com uh, and uh, the on-demand also on the ESPN uh, Lincoln Twitter feed. We are less than uh, 40 minutes away from Mike Riley, not that Mike Riley our Mike Riley that uh, was part of the Chicago sports scene at the Chicago Tribune and spent time covering the Cubs. We'll get his take on Sosa McGuire. That was fun to watch last night. (laughs) You will not have baseball this season as of, uh, I don't know, an hour and a half ago uh, per Mike Greenberg and his comments from Rob Manfred. Doubtful is the term. And Jake Diekman's been on fire on Twitter, friend of the show. There's five of six commissioners get it. <laughs> Can we get our bleep together? Uh, Charles Barkley has some thoughts, we'll tell you. And you'll get to hear Chuckster next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Mike Riley coming up. Charlie McBride, Mondays with Charlie. Good stuff from Ron Brown to get this hour going. A reminder about your friends at West Blue Realty. 2020 may be the year you move, and West Blue Realty can help. They specialize in residential home sales 
in Lincoln and surrounding communities, and they'll help you make that next move a smooth one for a limited time. You mentioned Hale Bar City and West Blue Realty can provide up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby, give Tom a shout, 402-540-3768, or Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly can help you out at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com. Agricultural land, do you have some for sale? Do you want to move some? West Blue can help with that. They have an auctioneer. They can handle live auctions, sealed bids, general land listings, and they've sold land all over the state in Nebraska, Seward, Oto, Lancaster, and more. And they can handle a large radius. Westbluerealty.com, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Okay, Oklahoma State's president has spoken. This is Burns Hargis. That's such a presidential name. Well, Burns, Burns, here with a statement. It's actually a, a statement that's about five, 10 minutes old. I hear and respect the concerns expressed by our black student athletes. This is a time for unity. The purpose to confront racial inequities and injustice. We will not tolerate insensitive behavior by anyone at Oklahoma State. Now, he didn't throw Gundy under the bus by name, but he said we will not tolerate insensitive behavior by anyone at Oklahoma State. It's in the eye of the beholder because you've got cowboy on cowboy crime going on here some cowboy fans incensed and irate that gundy would wear a one american news t-shirt other cowboy fans are like look dude's wearing a t-shirt he believes in let him wear it should he be wearing a cnn t-shirt you got to be smarter if you're mike gundy or maybe you just don't give a crap you're going you're to feel what you feel and believe what you believe. And if you're ticked off about it, fine. He fired somebody that was renovating his house for wearing Sooner gear back in 2011. But you can't win without great players. Chubba Hubbard, Hubbard is a great player. Your middle linebacker, Eamon, is a great player. They do not want to play ball with you or for you. Because you're rocking that T-shirt. So, I mean, can you be the adult and say, I am sorry I've offended. Let me put out another apology. Uh, a second a public apology. Let me get a sit down with SVP. Let me go on with Dean Blevins. Let me go find Oprah. Let me say I'm sorry. And make it where it's not just lip service, but you're going to listen. Gundy doesn't seem like, to me, that he just doesn't care. He doesn't care if you disagree with him. He is a guy that's dug his heels in. I respect that to a point. And right now, what's going to happen? You can't fire the guy over the T-shirt. You shouldn't fire the guy over the T-shirt. Sit down, have a meal, talk with your kids, Mm -hmm. and get back on the same page. Because these are the same guys that signed to play for him. Right? I mean, he's he's different. Charlie McBride's coming up. Hail Varsity Hour 2.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Hour two at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's time for a Monday with Charlie, and uh, Coach McBride joins us. Coach, is it uh, pushing the nineties up where you're at, or is it still pretty, uh, pretty comfortable? It's perfect. It's perfect. That's good. So it's about about seventy nine and sunny with no wind. Uh, I- I don't know. I've been power washing and doing that, getting it wet. I'm not frozen, so I'm doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, the uh, the old power washer is imperative. We uh, we got one for our back patio. It's not as strong as we need, so we're still we're still shopping around in the market for one to. Uh, the the puppies decide to get the patio dirty from time to time, so that's where we're at. So, well, I'm glad it's perfect up where you're at, and uh, weather's good, and that's good to hear. A lot of stuff to get into today. I got to ask you are you a are you a baseball fan, and do you, do you watch or listen to a lot of games during the summer? Not that you can right now, but uh, where, where are you at? Are you a big baseball guy growing up, and and even as an adult? Yeah. Well, baseball was probably, uh, you know, one of the sports that, you know, that you, when you get young, I I like the best. And then, of course, when you get to high school, you get, there's more emphasis, of course, on football. And uh, mm-hmm. so that changes you a little bit. But, um, you know, I love this sport. And, uh, you know, I could have signed with the White Sox and I, and for about 500 bucks then. And my dad says, no, you're going to college. And that was the end of that tune. So, uh, and then I got to college and I got going to go play baseball and had knee surgery. And uh, so that ended that part. So (laughs) that kind of stopped me there. It was just not playing for a couple of years. You know, it makes a big difference. You know, you got a long way to go. And um, once you stayed away from it and you jump into some, in all level you're not used to, you sure. know, and so, so I and I ended my baseball career then. <laughs> I, but, but I think I did better in school when I went to one sport. No, I, I bet Charlie McBride's with us. Uh, Hail Varsity Radio Mondays with Charlie. So you could have you could have signed with the White Sox. Would this have been late? Right, they call it late fifties. Yeah, yeah, it was well. I I left. I went to college and uh, I graduated in January. Or, well, January I guess of '57, uh, mm-hmm. and um, you know I went at mid semester. Okay. So um, you know I had a, an extra spring practice and so on and so forth. All right. Well, so it was you know it was fun you know by the time you were a senior you hated spring practice. <laughs> That's kind of how it goes. <laughs> I, uh, I I wanted to ask you about what have you been following Major League Baseball at all? This tug of war between the players and owners. When has that stopped? Well, it's not. But now you've got <laughs> you've got the commissioner coming out. 
just today saying he's con he's not real confident that there's going to be a season. Well, you know that's you know I don't know. I, a lot of it has to do with money and the players. You know they they, they want to play. Mm-hmm. They get paid. You don't have people in the stands is is one thing. You're not going to get paid probably. You you know or not it's going to be tough on the. Yeah, it's going to be tough on the on the organization. So I don't know where you know where he stands. You know they stand in between. You know, having one and not having one, and I, it all. And I, I think when you look at the back, it all comes back to money. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, they can do all the talking about all this other stuff, but it comes down. I think with the owners, it comes down to cash. And uh, you know, I, I, I have a tough time believing that nobody. Wa- I mean, that they would even suggest that they're not going to play. Well, the commissioner says that the owners and players are not talking to to one another right now. The players rejected the owners. The owners want to do a shortened season because Uh it's going to cost them less money to do a shortened season. Uh huh. And the the players want. I mean, the players wanted to play 114 games. I mean, they wanted to play. The players already agreed to a pay cut. Okay. And the owners wanted him to take an additional pay cut and then have a shortened season so it wouldn't cost him as much. And the, the players are like, look, we've got a new collective bargaining agreement supposed to get going here in 2021. So this could be the last strike, so to speak, for baseball because folks, uh-huh. you know, folks are still unhappy with what happened in 94, okay, with the strike. Right. Folks are really right. ticked off about the steroid era, okay, letting, letting that happen. Right. And now uh, you've got a pandemic, you've got uh, racial unrest, and you've not had live sports. This is your time to shine if you're baseball because it's, it's baseball season right now. And, and you're, right. not, you're not even going to get on the field because both sides are griping about money. I used to kind of understand where the owners were coming from. <laughs> But the more I've kind of listened to the players, players just want to play, and they've already agreed to a pay cut, uh, and and the owners seem I, to me uh, to be in the wrong here. I, I'm I'm on your side. I, I that that's typical. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, and you know the problem with a lot of it is 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 the different way the different organizations how they're how they're structured, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like in football, for example, a couple of the, you know, like the Cardinals, for example, mm-hmm. they're a family business. Uh, where you take the Chiefs, they were, you know, he had a big business mm-hmm. and trucking business and so on and so forth, which, you know, kind of held on. So he he was working and it and feeding probably part of his business and everything else mm-hmm. and his family and where the Bidwells were just feeding their family. Right. You know, they were just passing the money around the brothers and sisters, uh, what they made. And, of course, they were broke all the time because they took all their money and spread it through the, you know, through the house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and that's just the, the bears are a little bit the same way. You know, Mrs. Hallis is are gone, but uh, I, I forget real off the Mc, top McClask- of my head, The McClaskies. McCaskey, yeah. And, you know, and so they're, they're the same thing. And, uh, you know, so it's a lot, a lot of the structure is different. Different owners have different ways of paying their players. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and if it comes out of the family jar, it's one thing, and if it comes out of the business and maybe the, some of the family jar, I don't know. I think most of these people will feed their family with their business, sure. their business, not the not their sport, not their team. <laughs> yeah, Charlie. And some Mc- of them just have money. Sure, <laughs> just have a ton of money and got it from daddy or somebody <laughs> before. Yeah, that's uh, that's the old uh, trust fund wing of the. But it the, all goes. Uh-huh. Everything you look at is money. Why did we go to the Big Ten? We got money. Mm-hmm. You know, money so drives it's it. Sad. It's sad that it is that way. Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, have you gotten an update on Mike Gundy's day today? Have you seen much of that? No, I haven't. All right. So, Mike Gundy, let me just kind of set it up for you. Coach Gundy was out at a lake, and he was seen in a picture with two other people, and Gundy uh, was posted on Facebook and shared on social media on Twitter. And Mike Gundy was wearing a T-shirt, an OAN T-shirt, okay? And the OAN T-shirt's a One America News T-shirt. It's a right-wing network that's often cited by Trump. There's been a lot of accusations towards the network that they're pretty one-sided they're pretty close-minded i'm not saying i agree with that i'm saying what what the accusations are and gundy's best player on offense chubba hubbard he's a kid out of canada he ran for two thousand yards he's the big 12 player of the year he got on twitter about two hours ago and just lost it and he said i will not be doing anything with Oklahoma State until things change. Oklahoma State's middle linebacker, they're All-American, named Amon, says, I stand with, with him, Chuba, the running back. So right now, Gundy's, and even the president came out and was not in favor of insensitivity. And that's... Um, kind of where Mike Gundy's at today, all for wearing a T-shirt when he was out boating. Yeah, well, Mike's a little nuts anyway. But um, <laughs> the, the, the one thing is, is I'll tell you one thing. I, I re, One thing that I I really agree, I think in, in, in coaching. Yes. Um, I think you, you ought to stay out of politics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I just feel that, you know, and especially nowadays, if you say, well, I'm a Democrat and that's the way it is, you got half of the people that think you're the greatest guy in the world and the other half think you're a jerk and they want to get run you out of town. Uh-huh. So you might as well just not say anything. And that's where he ought to be. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that, you know, comes out that's, you know, if you're av- any kind of average, I mean, it could be with a company. I mean, sure. it could be. You know, it could be you know if you're with Adidas and it, and and you're wearing Nike T-shirts all over the place, it's probably going to be a little. The kids won't get mad at you, but the but the companies might. Sure. You know, I mean, I went as far as to I had a sweatshirt, and they, you know, and, and I forget even who we were with Adidas, and and um, all of a sudden my sweatshirt's gone out of my locker. Well, the only thing was is that, well, it was the fact that they didn't have an Adidas 
it was an Adidas shirt. Just didn't see an insignia, shirt, but it didn't have their insignia in the right spot. Oh man! You know, <laughs> I Ooh. mean, well, that's something. Go. So you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a deal where I think when you get into politics and you're a football coach, you're a nut. You know, I mean, you're wrong. I mean, I think in the first place, I think you got other things you have to do. You, you know, you have that whole team full of players you need to take care of. And you don't need to start splitting yourself. And that's exactly what happened is what would happen in a normal society mm-hmm. with you as a coach. That'll happen in, in Oklahoma. You know, there'll be people that will say, hey, I'm not messing with Oklahoma State anymore. Or I'm, you know, that's great. He's wonderful and all that. And that's where you end up. And you don't want to end up like that. You got to you gotta stay neutral and... Right now, Gundy's already kind of had to apologize not long ago because he was kind of rolling his eyes at the whole COVID-19 thing, saying that guys, the guys will be back May 1st, May 1st, right? And he had uh, kind of pumped the brakes on, on that thing, and he's uh, let his opinions be known quite a bit uh, with different news organizations, so... The other thing with Gundy is, I mean, the guy should be able to say and do what he wants. It's, it's a free country. That said, know your, yeah. know your, know your role and know your, your pedestal you're on as a head football coach, right? I mean, this. Right. I, I hope things get healed up because, from an Oklahoma State standpoint, you've got two really good players. But more than that, this is this is a guy that that you said, yeah, I'm going to go play ball for him. Okay, so you know kind of what you're dealing with in mm-hmm. Gundy anyway. He's a different dude. That said, right. the, the the players have a, a louder voice than ever now, and they're listened to more than ever now. And I, I feel like it just, you know, in Gund- with Gundy, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing yeah. wearing that? What are you doing with with that, knowing that it, it, it could offend some people? Yeah. Well, the thing the thing you don't want to the thing that's scary now is this is there's becoming the professionalism is coming into college football. Yeah. Pretty soon, when you get that, and you got a quarterback, say, or a guy that's getting some money, and other guys aren't, you're going to cause a problem. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's guys on the team that say, "Why, you know, I should be making what that guy's making. I'm the starter, and he's getting all this money. I beat him out." Now what do you do? You know, I mean, it, it, there's so many. You can open a can of worms so easy with with that kind of stuff in college that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're just asking for it. And I think the NCAA is making mistakes a lot. Of, you know, it it just they it seem to be sliding. You know, they, sure. they kind of just they back down at anything and, you know, and so forth. So it's it's hard. It's hard for me to. To, to fathom, you know, even, you know, any any of that, you know, that stuff that goes on. And, and again, I don't care what you talk about, whether it's what Gundy's doing or what somebody else is doing, it all ends up being money. Mm-hmm. It all ends up, you know, taken away from the schools. You know, people will say, I'm not going to them games anymore. Sure. I'm, I'm not going to deal with that guy. I'm going to go somewhere else. And, you know, it's it just... Leave it alone and do your job. 
Yeah. Coach, we are uh, out of time. I can't wait to check in with you next week. I hope the weather's as good next Monday as it is today for you. It's 95 and hot, hot here. So we'll talk. We don't have any clouds. Well, you just take that picture and send it to me because we've got a little bit of cloud (laughs) cover, but it's a little warm. So we'll uh, we'll talk in a week. Coach, you take care. It's fun to chat today. Thanks for a few minutes. Okay. Talk to you later. Take care, Coach. All right. Thank you. There he is, Monday with Charlie, Coach McBride. Good to talk with him. Mike Riley, Cubs, McGuire, Sosa next. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen. on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Good chat with Coach McBride. Wonder to have, wonderful to have you in on Hale Varsity Radio Monday edition. So did you watch Long Gone Summer the 30 for 30 got moved up since there's no live sports. The memorable 1998 home run chase between McGuire, between Sosa, a man on the scene as uh, part of the Chicago Tribune, he was our man to talk last dance with Chicago Bulls. And we uh, welcome in the pride of Lincoln Northeast, a former member of the Average Joe Sports Show Mafia, Mike Riley with his head journalist toolbox is where you find him on Twitter. Riles, how are you, sir? Good, Schmitty. How are you? I am good. I didn't quite fire up a a brat and an old style last night watching. Dad made some ribs on the smoker that were incredible, his best work. So I had ribs, and then I got home to watch the 30 for 30. You know I'm a big Cubs guy, even though I uh, divorced them in 2003. Uh, And I remember 1998 like it was yesterday with Sammy and McGuire. Kind of set the scene for the listeners, and and I know your work at the Tribune. Just kind of give folks a little backdrop into your ties with the Cubs, and then we'll dive into the the, the, the documentary last night. Well, God, Schmitty, as long as those weren't St. Louis short ribs, I think you're okay. No, they were um, they they weren't they weren't short ribs. They were uh, they were they were the old Brontosaurus style, my man. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, going Fred Flintstone. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, last night was a little strange because we've been talking a lot about uh, the Last Dance and what a great documentary that was. Uh, Although flawed in spots, but this was really—I I saw this as really kind of a, a Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire infomercial, also starring Sammy Sosa. Um, It—I uh, uh, know the director is from you know downstate, and for for those that aren't familiar with uh, you know Illinois and the Cubs, Sox, uh, uh, and the Cardinals, um, you know if you're in Chicago, you're you're typically either a Cubs or a Sox fan. Um, there are some of us from outside of Chicago. I grew up in Nebraska. They're a little bit of both. But when you get downstate in Illinois, uh, not only does it turn into a very red state, uh, it's also red for Cardinals. Um, people down in Edwardsville and you know any, pretty much any place south of Champaign-Urbana, uh, you're going to see a lot of cards bumper stickers on cars or should I say pickup trucks, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so it's very much cards country, and that's where the director you know kind of came from with his point of view. Um, my background with the, the Cubs in 97, I was the backup guy to, at the trip to, to Paul Sullivan, uh, who appeared in the documentary. He's now a columnist at the Chicago Tribune, uh, but he was a Cubs beat writer uh, and also had covered the White Sox for a number of years. Um, and the way baseball uh, coverage worked back then, you had a full-time beat reporter on, on that team. Uh, and then you also had a backup reporter 
uh, who would handle the first homestand when the team got back off the road, would pick up some road trips and some other things. Uh, so in 97, I, I saw a lot of really bad Cubs baseball. It was the year before the great home run race. Um, I didn't cover the great home run race. I'd taken a teaching job at Northwestern uh, uh, just a few months before that season started, uh, which was a, a kind of crazy looking back on it. Uh, but I had the Cubs at 68-94 and uh, and uh, the year before, and uh, they went 0-14 to start that year. And there were some things that happened in 97 that kind of set Sammy up for this uh, great home run chase, uh, you know, beyond uh, the supplements and steroids, which were a, pretty much a commonplace in, in locker rooms uh, back then, mm-hmm. uh, which I can talk a little bit about. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, just to get your thoughts, too, on, on what you thought of the documentary, Schmitty, and then, then I'll jump into what happened in 97 and, and kind of carry over into 98. You know, I, I was excited for it. I thought the the scenes of a packed Bush Stadium and packed Wrigley Field and the the shots on Waveland of, of Sammy hitting it out, McGuire hitting him out. I mean, the back and the fourth and the back and the fourth, the chase, I'm not alive. And I remember talking to my grandfather who passed about DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak when I was a, a younger kid just because of the history of baseball and how, how you know, that, that was a lot of our first love, man, was, well, baseball's awesome. That, that's our sport. And to, to be a part of something similar to, uh, to, you know, the streak, the chase, and then to see the record of all records topped that ties in Ruth talking to my dad about you know being an 11 year old Yankees fan watching Maris and May or Maris and Mantle do their thing in 61 uh so this was great and it was riveting it was engaging and I didn't like Mark McGuire because of an interaction I had with him when I was a kid right you know Take off, Hoser was pretty much the the response when asking for an autograph when I was twelve years old from Mark McGuire. I loved Sammy. Uh, Grandma Schmidt loved Sammy, so we were both big Sammy fans, and I, so I enjoyed the nostalgia of it. But McGuire, it, you know, he owned up. He answered. Sosa just Sosa weirds me out now with just. It, just where where he comes from, not not owning up to to what the accusations are or explaining. And I'm glad Bob Costas got in there to say, look, dude, this was a con job, because that's ultimately how I felt after the whole Balco expose. So it was it was good in a snippet of man, that was a fun summer to be a baseball fan and watch the ball games. But overall, it was it was kind of a joke, and Major League Baseball itself was a joke, and it's trying to say hold my beer right now with with what Rob Manford told Greeny earlier today about the fact that there may not be a 2020 season. Riles, get into the steroids, my friend. I mean, what what did you see? What did you witness? And what was commonplace covering MLB during your era? Yeah, the the, the summer of '98 in Chicago was very was very mm-hmm. interesting uh, in that uh, you know it, it kind of left off with the last dance. I mean, that was Jordan's uh, 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 you know uh, a jumper against the the Jazz mm-hmm. in you know, mid June 1998, and then Sammy you know pops 20 home runs that same month. So it was such an interesting time, and you know it was such a great story and all that stuff. And, and I think the the uh, uh, documentary spent way too much time on that and, and didn't get into you know the drugs and the other other things that we really wanted to hear about. Um, there were three things that happened in '97 that kind of set up 
1998. Um, one was the steroids and supplements, and you can go through the stats and really see, you know, both Sammy and Mark, and they touched on this a little bit in, in the doc, but they had a lot of injuries. You know, they didn't play full season. Sammy broke his hand in 96. Uh, you know, missed close to 40 games. They still hit 40 home runs that year. Um, 97, 36 homers in 162 games. They went six, uh, uh, yeah, 68 and 94 that year. Just an awful team. But here's what happened um, uh, toward the uh, middle of the 97 season on that kind of set the table beyond the steroids and, and the supplements. Um, uh, one, the Cubs hired Jeff Pentland as their hitting coach after the 97 season. Um, and he worked on Sammy's swing and, and uh, shortened it a bit. Uh, and you, you can see on a lot of those home run, run balls that he and McGuire hit uh, on the documentary last night uh, were inside fastballs, you know, that they could get around on very quickly. You didn't see a lot of pitchers going low and outside because they weren't getting the calls from the umpires. They weren't getting the Tom Glavin, you know, outside corner, <laughs> Greg Maddox outside corner, the, the low outside corner that they normally get. So that was part of a Pentland tightening, tightening up his, his uh, swing, and, and Sammy always gives him credit for that. But there was another thing that happened. This was on a road trip in Houston. I was covering this series. Um, uh, the Cubs were at Houston for a three-game series. Houston won the, the division. That, you know, a very good team. Um, and I went into the Astros locker room to interview Luis Gonzalez. And Luis was a former Cub. And we chatted real quickly. It was just a little notebook item. And then he said to me, he goes, take a long look at your lineup card when they announce it. And he kind of smiled. It hadn't been posted yet. So I knew something was up. Um, so I went over. They post the lineup card, and I'm like, uh-oh. Um, they had flipped Sammy and Grace in the order for the first time. Grace had just come back from a hamstring injury. It was out most of that spring. And so all of a sudden now, Sammy was batting third, and Gracie was batting fourth, protecting Sammy in the lineup. That didn't sit well with Grace. He had an hour-long meeting that Friday in, in Houston uh, with uh, Jim Riggleman, closed-door meeting. They came out, and it was, you know, kind of tense, you know, and, and Sammy, of course, didn't care. And Sammy was always accessible. I always give him credit for that. He's always accessible to the media. So Sullivan mentioned that last night on, on the show. I never had any problems with him. Um, he played the salsa music a little too loud uh, and often drowned out some of his interviews. But And he would also play it, and that would agitate a lot of his teammates. He'd play it in the losing locker room sometimes, mm. uh, which is a big no-no. Um, yeah, and that didn't sit too well uh, with some of his teammates. Um, so there was a little friction uh, in, in that locker room in 97. Um, so those three things, the switch in the batting order uh, with, with Gracie protecting uh, Sammy, Pentland, uh, and then, of course, the supplement. And, and that's the big thing. That's one of the reasons why the Cubs have, haven't embraced Sammy is the Ricketts have told him, you know, look, if you come clean, we'll welcome you back. You'll get every honor that uh, McGuire got. And, you know, McGuire in 2010, you know, finally owed up to it. That's why he's back in baseball. You know, he got the red jacket from the Cardinals, all that kind of stuff. And it'd be a great thing to see. I mean, Wrigley would just go uh, bonkers. But uh, uh, it was really a, a, a fascinating time. Um, but we all kind of suspected something was up back then. Uh, keep in mind, Andro and, and creatinine uh, were not uh, uh, illegal substances in baseball back then. It's much like if you watch the Lance Armstrong documentary. Uh, you know, back then, uh, the, the leagues were so far behind what the players were doing uh, that they it took them years to catch up. And that, that's the case of baseball. That is the case with cycling. And to a certain extent, it was that case, uh, the, it was the case with the NFL, even though the NFL uh, uh, outlawed steroids much earlier. Um, uh, it wasn't uncommon to see uh, a, a big vat of the powders uh, in, in the training rooms and things like that. 
Um, I never witnessed anything in a, in a locker like the Andro Biles or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it was very clear that players were, were drinking uh, supplements and things like that and taking those types of things. But there was no rule against it at the time. A lot of times people criticize baseball writers. Well, why weren't you, you know, writing about this? Well, yeah, we can see guys were getting bigger. You look at Mark McGuire's rookie uh, photo and Sammy's rookie photo compared to what they looked like in 1998 or, or you know, Barry Bonds, for that matter, particularly toward the end of his career. You know, they, they really, 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 uh, uh, you know, changed their whole physique. And back then the thinking was, and this is, you know, 97, 98, was that steroids were mainly for track and field athletes, for football players that needed explosiveness. It wasn't going to help you pitch better. It wasn't going to help you necessarily hit better. You know, putting on that type of bulk was going to slow you down. And ultimately it did because we saw players like Albert Bell, you know, uh, you know, tendons and muscles were tearing away from the bones in their legs and things like that later in their careers. You know, Barry started to have some more injury problems. So it eventually catches up with these guys. Um, all those drugs do. I did a lot of early reporting on, on steroid use uh, at the college level back when I was still at the Daily Nebraska. And Riles, Riles, generate tissue. Yeah, hang so on, I, hang on. I want to reset the steroid, your reporting on steroid use. We are up against a break. I don't want to short you on this. Come on back, can you? You bet, ma'am. All right. Mike Riley is with us as we are talking 30 for 30 Cubs. Cards, McGuire, Sosa, the great uh, home run chase, long gone summer. Didn't mean to step on Riles there. We uh, got to pay some bills. Back with Mike Riley shortly on Hale Varsity Radio. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, talking long gone summer. Mike Riley of Average Joe Sports Show fame, part of the Chicago Tribune, and uh, covered the Cubs in 97. He's with us. We're talking uh, Sosa McGuire. And Riles, we cut you off. You were going to get into some of the steroid and HGH uh, issues that, that were very prevalent in baseball, Andro. Uh, was and creatine were not banned in baseball. They were banned in some other sports. But I cut you off. You were about ready to touch on uh, just uh, some of the investigation slash uh, work you did uh, on on that topic of steroid use. Now, floor's yours, brother. I, I stepped on you. Forgive me on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good with breaks, Schmidt. You, know, you, you, you got to slam the door on, on, on me once in a while. And, uh, no, you're good, brother. Uh, I just uh, was like, Riles, we got the, we got a, we got a whole nother segment. So fire away, man. Yeah, it's it's like it's like Animal House. It's like don't stop him now. He's on a roll. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Germans in Pearl Harbor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, uh, the thing is, you know, with the the testing with steroids uh, and, and all this, it, it's also uh, it's also flawed. Uh, you know, even if uh, places are uh, uh, testing for these steroids, there's water soluble steroids, and this was back in the mid '80s. That I learned about this that flush out of the system within 24 hours, and most of the players were given 72 hours notice in almost every league that hey, you're going to have to come in Thursday uh, for uh, a, a test. They wouldn't tell them specifically what, but you know, it was all a wink and a nudge. They knew what was coming. Um, so if you were taking water-soluble steroids, you just didn't take the steroid for the next two, three days, and you pass the test with flying colors. Now, the oil-based uh, steroids, um, which the NFL started you know, uh, testing for uh, you know, in the 80s and 90s, and actually caught a lot of uh, NFL uh, players, uh, uh, the oil-based you know, take 30 days to flush out of your system, so it's a little harder uh, to fool those. Um, but they were also allowing guys to take tests privately, mm. 
Um, this was even back when I was covering the NFL in the mid nineties, um, uh, early to mid nineties, uh, guys were, you know, given a bottle and told to go in a room and, and do their business. Um, and, uh, a lot of times it was just the, the locker room bathrooms and they'd have a clean teammate take the test for them. Um, so this was really, you know, the testing system itself was, was very flawed. Things can tampered with, uh, you know, we saw that in the case, you know, with Ryan Braun. Um, you know, uh, there's all kinds of ways you could cheat and get around the test. I mean, you know, you saw it in cycling, you've seen it in football, uh, you saw it in, in baseball as well. I mean, remember Rick Riley offered to take uh, Sammy to an appointment uh, to get tested. And, you know, Sammy just snapped on him, you know. Um, obviously, uh, his cycle wasn't clean at that point. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of this, you know, we tend to be a very forgiving society. If, if uh, more people just kind of came clean about this, I think a lot of the steroid era uh, and the growth hormone era, you know, as it extends to bonds, um, would uh, uh, a lot of people would forgive and, and not necessarily forget, uh, but, you know, maybe drop a little asterisk besides thing, uh, some things in the record book, uh, and, and we could move on from there. But, uh, uh, you know, I think it's just a matter of, of coming clean, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and McGuire, you know, as much as he lied in front of the uh, congressional committee in 2005, it caught up with him in 05, and he realized if he wanted to get back in baseball as a hitting instructor, he had to, to admit what had happened. And, you know, I think we've seen that, you know, over time in, in a lot of sports, you know, the, the players who have cut corners and, you know, things like that. It's the denial, you know, the cover-up is worse than the crime itself. Uh, and I certainly think that's the case here. Mike Riley's with us on Hale Varsity Radio at Journalist Toolbox, where you follow Riles and, uh, we're talking Sosa McGuire, 30 for 30, long gone summer. Riles, I want to switch gears uh, from 98 to 2020. Rob Manfred, uh, not optimistic about the season. As you look at baseball now, what's your take here uh, with owners and players and the uh, chasm between the two? Do you believe Manfred saying that, look, he, he, it's not looking good? Uh, about yeah, a season think, in 20 he's not confident or do you think finally these two sides can come together or do you think we're just sitting 2020 out what do you think happens i think I think manfred had had to put a little pressure on the owners which is what he he did today mm-hmm. um you know I, I don't think the player players association request is outrageous you know pay us 100 percent of our prorated salary i mean every other league's doing that um you know why why Baseball. Oh, here, here's a percentage of your prorated salary. Mm-hmm. What you're doing isn't worth as much as it normally would be. You know, I could see not paying them their full season salary, uh, but not, you know, but prorating it and then trying to cut cut a percentage of that, I think is just outrageous. Um, so they're going to have to move very quickly because, you know, with a mini spring training and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, and then getting back and, and playing, they're going to have an extremely short season. It's going to have a big asterisk beside it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think here, uh, you know, is losing baseball for year necessarily a bad thing during a pandemic? I don't think that NBA experiment is going to turn out too well. And like what we've seen today out of Texas with Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys and the Houston Texans, um, you know, I, I think the NBA thing down in, in Florida could wind up a potential hot spot. You know, they can mm-hmm. sequester them and the media as much as they want to down there. But all it takes is, is one idiot to start spreading it around. Sure. And, and uh, uh, you've got a big mess on your hands. So I think, you know, as excited as we are in some states to be reopening, we're in phase three here in, in uh, Illinois. And phase three just started in Chicago. We started a little bit after the rest of the state. Um, as excited as we are to see, you know, bars and restaurants slowly starting to open and, 
you know, some semblance of normal life coming uh, back after, you know, 100 days in lockup. I love my wife, but, you know, 100 days in lockup <laughs> in a 2,400-square-foot apartment, it drives us all a little crazy, sure. doesn't it? Um, it uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I think player safety, I think, uh, you know, uh, safety of the fans, I just don't think we can have uh, fans in the stands at all. Uh, that I, I'm not 100% sure we can we can we'll wind up with baseball this year uh, unless the owners really have a change of heart. Mm-hmm. I don't see the Players Association budging. Riles, I've got literally two minutes. A final thought on, on Sammy Sosa uh, as we uh, end the documentary. Sammy is is what to you? Is Is Sammy a dude that has a great heart is sammy a guy that loved the camera is sammy a guy that pulled the wool over on people's eyes and still won't come clean how do you characterize sosa all, all of the above you know uh the, the latter you know the big heart and the love of the game uh was a big part of of a good part of his career um, i didn't like how things ended here in chicago how he walked out of, of the clubhouse the way he did there were a lot of bad feelings there about that at the end of his career, and, and it left on a very sour note. You know, this is a guy that should be celebrated. You know, even mm-hmm. if he had come clean, you know, uh, people would adore him. You know, they'd have him back to the ballpark all the time, throw out the first pitch, sing the, sing the seventh inning mm-hmm. stretch, you know, tell some stories. You know, they would really love that. He made the media rounds pretty heavily here in Chicago the last couple of days on radio, and, and uh, I believe he did uh, SEP last night, too. I missed yeah. that, but I heard his radio spot this morning. He was saying if the Cubs got new owners, he you know thinks he would be welcomed back uh, into the Cubs family, and and you know good luck with that. I don't think uh, Tom Ricketts is going anywhere, and you know hats off to to the Ricketts for drawing the line in the sand mm-hmm. there and and saying hey you know owe up to it, buddy. Um, but to me, you know uh, a, a great swing uh, was a thirty for thirty guy too. He, yeah. he was a good base runner too earlier in his career. Uh, was a guy that could take over a game, um, and uh, not just you know in in that '98 season, but uh, other times too. Uh, really loved the big stage, but I always looked at you know what was he away from the cameras, you know, and, and what was he in the locker room? Always accessible, friendly to the media. Never you know any run-ins or problems uh, that I had with him or any of the other beat writers. It's just he played the music so damn loud it would drown out your tape recorder. You couldn't hear the quotes. But uh, that was the one thing uh-huh. you know, kind of graded on people with the music and the kind of the boisterousness of him sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, he could be very charming uh, when he wanted to be. Riles, this was fun. Brother, we'll do this again. Thanks for jumping on. You bet. Thanks, Schmitty. Good uh, talking to you guys again. Take care. There he is, Mike Riley. And uh, we'll wind down on Monday next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on Monday. We are loaded up tomorrow, but first want to thank everybody that came by today. Charlie McBride, another Monday with Charlie. Uh, many thanks to, of course, uh, Director of Player Development and former coach Ron Brown. Mike Riley of Average Joe Sports Show fame and uh, part of uh, covering Major League Baseball, his time with Chicago Tribune. We talked a lot of Sammy and McGuire. Did you watch last night, Elijah? Didn't get a chance. No, one of my friends turned 21 last night. So, uh-huh. mm-hmm. so is that why you're quiet today? You're shaking off the cobwebs? Late night last night. 
Like 4 a.m. late night, Highway Diner late night, or what? Highway Diners, uh, they they changed their... We were actually looking to go last night after the bars closed. Dude, that's, that was the best. They amended their hours for uh, I, for COVID. I'm not sure if they've gone back or not yet. I, Brother, the, 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 the hot stripper... Oh, is, is is the way to go? And you add the eggs, right? No, oh, completely. Oh, for sure. Or you just do biscuits and gravy, or you get the big diner. Oh, the big diner, so good. <laughs> they, they have a good corned beef hash. See, I've not done the corned beef hash, but I get the biscuits and gravy, the hash browns, the three eggs, the sauce. I'm a bacon guy, and I love sausage too. But mm. you just go that way. I mean, I, I love Highway Diner if it's two eggs, you get the third one free no matter what. Well, Juniors, he, I mean, he he would eat biscuits and gravy three times a week. Mm-hmm. Or three times a day. That was probably my favorite meal growing up. Dude, he, he crushes biscuits and gravy. Uh, I've not been out to the to the diner with friends for a while. Me and the, the old neighbor, Jolster, did the diner scene, and let's just say we didn't check in with the wives. <laughs> she was, they were, well, my wife didn't give a damn, but his wife was worried <laughs> about him. So I have not ventured off to diner land with just me and the boys for mm-hmm. a long time. But we lived just right up the street from it in college. So it was incredible. So, okay, then we also, uh, last night, so... So what did did you end up doing? Like burrito drive-thru? McDonald's. Did you? That's okay. (laughs) I know. Well, not much is open at 2 a.m. But uh, we also, I I got some uh, some boxing gloves for workouts, Mm -hmm. along with some headgear. And uh, (laughs) yeah, you can see you guys got going. You guys were blasted (laughs) off of... So did you just pile on the birthday boy last night um or, or did you let him swing away oh uh, we let him swing away okay. and uh he didn't get me actually i, I didn't I, I made sure he the size difference there was well, right bit. you're probably like yeah I, I kind of tower over him right so uh, i never i didn't get any shots on him but one of my friends who's a little bit more size got off a good shot on me and had my head hurting all last night really a little bit concussion or no i just just you snapped your head back yeah just, all right just Tomorrow, we are loaded up. Uh, Parker Gabriel will join us. Jay Moore will join us. And then uh, longtime former voice of Nebraska football for YouTube Tuesday, Jim Rose, going to join the show. So excited about that. Uh, we will uh, no doubt have the podcast up here in a bit. Uh, HailVarsity.com or iTunes. And don't forget, ESPNLincoln.com is where you stream us. And be sure to check us out uh, with all the in-demand on ESPNLincoln.com, the interviews you want to hear again or missed, and uh, get logged on to Twitter at ESPNLincoln, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal, at City and at Schmidt underscore radio. Reminder, one out of three fatal crashes involve impaired drivers. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high, never acceptable. Start that conversation. Who's driving home? Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Thanks for hanging out with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.